Good morning. As I look out on the audience, it's been a while for most of us here this morning since you had to bring a report card home for your mom and dad to sign, right? It's been a long time um, for a lot of us. Workplaces do give performance reviews sometimes. Those can really be very nerve-wracking if you have to have a performance review. I guess that's sort of like a report card, so to speak. Have you ever received a church report card? Uh, we're going to start handing those out beginning next week. <laughs> now, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work. But Epaphras, or Epaphras, depending on where you've grown up, I've heard it said both ways, kind of brought a sort of report card to Paul and Timothy about the church, the believers at Colossae, and, and how they were doing. Uh, Paul was in prison at the time, and in response to that report, he wrote the letter, this letter that we read in the letter to the Colossians, because it was a good report overall how they were growing in Christ and how because of their growth in Christ, the gospel was spreading into the regions there and beyond where they lived. How do you measure how the gospel's growing in your life? How do you get a report card? Well, the, the letter to the Colossians gives us some clues, but Jesus spoke to that. And I just want to refer to them real quickly. Back in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, uh, was talking about the sheep and the goats. And he said this. This is a report card, the, the final exam, so to speak, when you get your report card. And he said, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Good report card. And then there's the goats, and, and Jesus says a little later in verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Angels, For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. So it wasn't so much a report card on what you knew, but it was a report card on what you knew and then what you did with what you knew about God and his will in our life. In Matthew chapter 7, just, just another picture there, Jesus says, anyone who hears my word and does it, who believes it and then responds to it, by responding to it in a way I would is like someone who builds his house on a rock. And those who hear my truth and know it, but don't do anything with it, don't apply it to their lives, they're like the, the person who builds their house on sand. And when the final report comes, when the storms of life hit it, when the final judgment of God comes, the house tumbles. So true belief in Jesus does translate, true belief, true faith, true trust in Christ does translate into life. 
On highway trips, I'm always looking at the mile markers. Do you do this and you figure out, or at least in, the, in, in Pennsylvania now, you can look at, well, it's 20 miles to the next exit. I kind of measure it in chunks of time. Mile markers to know how much far, further I have to go in my journey. Well, the life in Christ is like a journey, and God gives us markers to say, here's how you're doing. Here's how much further you have to go before you get to meet me and be with me. He gives us markers to see if we're progressing on our journey and how we're doing. So how do you measure soul life? How do you measure if you're living in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, as Paul says in verses 9 and 10? We've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So you're doing the right thing. So you're, you're feeding people when they need to be fed. You're clothing them. You're visiting them. You're caring for them. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. How do you measure that process? Well, as we grow in our faith, in our love for one another, and as we focus our hope on what's to come in God's kingdom, as we, we believe that, That'll make us live differently, and we will progress. We will be, even though we're just in process, we're not all we will be, we will grow. And as we respond to Jesus' truth, the gospel will spread as it grows in us. Not everyone's going to welcome the news of Christ, but despite our failings, despite of people rejecting, rejecting it, we can have confidence that as we live for Christ, our lives will bear fruit as we grow in him, and it will have results. That's Jesus' plan for us, his bride, his church. It's Jesus' plan for Grace Chapel. Want to look on the, uh, thank you, Mark, he's ahead of me. That's good. Uh, our six M's, and today we're, uh, the third M is ministering grace and truth. We've talked about modeling godly character, clothing ourselves with Christ's virtues, becoming more like Christ, knowing what those characteristics are, observing his life and asking him to build them into our lives. Last week, we talked about making good work, working for Christ, whatever you do in word or deed. It's not anything, nothing's too small to do, to bring glory to Christ. So whatever you do, model good work because you're working for the Lord. So today we want to focus on ministering grace and love. And, and again, worship arts people, worship team, thank you for putting things together. We sang so many of the truths that we're going to be looking at today. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. As the gospel grows in us, people growth, the gospel will grow and spread into the world. So let's think about people growth. Verses three through six. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. That's the first sign of the gospel growing in me and, and in you when we believe in Christ, when our faith in him grows, when we know who he is and what he loves, and what the passion of his heart is, why he came to die. Gospel growth in me, God's truth growing in me, is totally rooted and dependent on Christ. 
We're reminded of that again in Colossians 1, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In verse 20, again, it reminds us it's through the cross that Christ has made peace by the shedding of his blood. Peace with God. So, it's all about Christ and having faith, belief, trust in him. When you believe in Christ, Christ's life now fills you, becomes a part of who you are. He breathes his life in us. We're adopted into his, into his family and we begin this process of living a new life, a life like Christ, as that faith grows. My good friend Charles Spurgeon painted this beautiful picture, and he said it like this. God's people are doubly his children. How? Well, they're his offspring by his creation, and then they are his sons and daughters by his recreation in Christ. So you're under God's authority. He's your creator, so listen to him. Give him the honor that's due. But in Christ, through faith in Christ, now God's deepest affections on us. His authority is over us as our creator, but now his deepest love and affection is a part of us because he's our savior and our God. He chose you and he adopted you. It wasn't a mistake. That he called you and chose you to be his child or his daughter, his sons, his daughters. So stop rebelling and be happy to obey him because he is your creator, but he's also your savior. Who am I <laughs> to be fruitful on my front lines? I can't be fruitful. I'm so, I'm so who I am. <laughs> but we're something new in Christ. John 15, 16, I've been referring to it a lot in, in, in our sermon series in Colossians. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that's going to last. That's his call in your life, believer in Christ. You ever think about how many people, we call them heroes in the Bible, how they felt inadequate? It made me think of Joshua this week, just one example of many. I mean, Moses died, the great leader, and, and now Joshua's in charge of, of the people of Israel. And what did God tell him? He repeated it many, many times in, in Joshua chapter 1. It's recorded for us. I chose you, Joshua. <laughs> You're going to have as much strength and power and influence as Moses did. Everywhere you set your, the sole of your foot, I'm going to give you that land. So, Joshua, be strong and what? Courageous because I've called you and I've appointed you to be fruitful in what I've called you to do. People, that's what he's called us to be, to be, uh, we're appointed, we're chosen, we're called to be fruitful, we can be for Christ. As weak as we are, as much as we fail, as much as we doubt ourselves, yet believe that Christ is living in us. Think about your house. 
and what God wants to do with your house. We chose a house or an apartment because you can afford it, because it's in a good place to go back and forth to work. It's, it's okay, adequate for your family. So you choose a place to live and God blessed you with it. He enabled you to buy it or to pay the rent. And as we put on Jesus's clothes, his clothes of compassion, his clothes, clothes of kindness, humility, meekness, and bearing with one another, you know, we have plans for our house. And then he says, but I have bigger plans for your house. I not only want to bless you with your home, I want to bless others with your home. Can you see the bigger plans? Well, that's what he wants to do not only with our houses and with our skills and work set or, or toolbox that we have in our workplaces, our schools, or wherever we are on the athletic field or the gym or whatever we love, to use those things for bigger and greater things for his glory. So that that home, that your gifts and talents not only can be a blessing to you and your family and to those you love, but to others who cross your paths. So the first growth sign that the gospel's growing in us is that our faith in Christ is there as our Savior, but then as our Lord and Master, we, we surrender more and more of our trust and our things and our gifts, our person, to him. Growth sign number two, that our love for one another increases. Genuine belief in Christ produces love for God's people. Just as I loved you, Jesus said, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's really important how we take care of one another. How are we doing? I wonder what the report card is on that. Hopefully better than it was a few years ago. From the bottom up, from the top down. Go out of your way to care for one another. I know that's been happening. How do we go about bearing with one another? How do we show that we put up with one another, correct one another gently and in love? How do we humbly restore and forgive when we've been wronged or when we've done wrong and we make restitution? Those are signs that we're growing in Christ. They're markers that our process that we're growing that we're loving one another is to be the identifying mark of Grace Chapel, that we're different because of Christ. Growth sign number three is heaven's hope. We've heard of your faith, it says in verse four, in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Hope produces love for others. Hope in Christ produces love that moves out and motivates us to produce grace and loving acts toward all people. I'm not a language person. Oh, how I wish I knew Spanish. There's someone in my home that's pretty fluent. I'm not. But oh, how I wish. Boy, we could have had some great conversations when the kids were there and they wouldn't have known what was going on. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ, is like a foreign language to most people in our world. They don't understand it. It's concepts of God being holy 
and us being sinners and missing the mark, our need of salvation outside of ourselves, that Jesus' death on the cross purchased forgiveness and blessing instead of the condemnation. It's misunderstood. We don't, so many people don't even know what it means. Grace, the word grace isn't understood. It's too easy when we've grown up in a work hard to earn favor kind of culture. Grace just isn't part of our culture. Faith and faith demands humility. Faith demands surrender. Faith demand, demands swallowing your pride, trusting God instead of ourselves. So if the gospel's a foreign language in the circles on your front lines where you live with a lot of people, maybe even with people in your household or in your extended family, what are the ingredients necessary for this foreign language of heaven to begin to be understood? in your world, in your own heart. Well, we know God the Spirit's got to enlighten. God's got to open up our eyes. We just sang about how we were blind, but God opens up our eyes to see. God's word has to be heard. His truth needs to be put into the mind. And finally, the new life of Christ has to be seen, has to be lived Faith, love, and hope expressed in followers every day living. Remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ was a foreign language to the city of Colossae. And yet the gospel grew there, took root there, and spread out from there. Their gospel that Epaphras, Epaphras, Epaphras preached is the same gospel you and I believe and should tell. So faith in Christ gives us a secure future, a hopeful position as heirs in Christ that motivates us to close our, clothe ourselves with Christ's likeness. Nancy, I'm going to ask you if you would come up and share a word. Nancy's going to share a testimony, and she wants to focus on, I know one thing she's going to talk a little bit about is how fruitfulness on the front lines has opened up her eyes to some new insights about her life in Christ. So Nancy, come and share. Yes, that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Um, and I want to follow in Sherry DeAngelis's train because she wrote everything out so that she didn't go over. And I want you to know... I wrote everything else out too, <laughs> so I wouldn't go over. I'm really thrilled that today we're talking about uh, grace and love, because for me, God's grace in my own life and realizing again and again his love for me has meant more in this last little while than ever before in my life and has made me realize that through each one of us, through me, um, his grace and his love would be expressed to others. Um, good morning, my name is Nancy Myers and I've been here since I was a little girl and I've had many opportunities for different uh, ministries, but in the last three years, God has been growing and changing my heart in many ways and I praise him because this is all about God. It is not about me. I think it started with a book I read called Love Does by Bob Goff, which instead of having a Bible study, let's have a Bible doing, 
What are we getting out of God's word that we can use? And then Matthew, <clears throat> Pastor Matt taught a class, Teach for Life Change. And that really began to help me focus on what I was doing with God's word and the various opportunities I had to teach. But God used fruitfulness on the front lines to make me aware or to remind me um, that it's 24-7, 365 every day that God would put opportunities in front of me and I did not need to look for them. Did you get that? God was putting in front of me. I didn't need to look for them. And God would prepare me for those. And can I tell you, that's scary. Because those of you who know me well know I'm an actionary. I think too fast. I talk too fast. And some would say too much. I get it. I'm a planner. And God was telling me to wait in so many areas and so many levels of life. And that was hard for me. And so I will share my story, my testimony of a particular uh, person. And um, it, as I was thinking through this, it was kind of hard because two things happened in my neighborhood this week that I could share um, because the pandemic in our neighborhood has been utterly amazing. We have connected with our neighbors in so many ways this last year and a half, two of them have died. And we've been helpful in those situations with the, with the gospel, with prayer. They didn't die of COVID, but just the opportunities to help with a leaf blower and a snow blower and whatever God is at work on Park Road. But here's what I want to share. I shop at Aldi's. This is not a commercial for Aldi's. There's a man outside with a sign that he's in need and looking at him, he was. I went into the store and God said, what, an angel with a placard, so help me, what are you gonna do about that? And he reminded me I had a Gospel of John in my pocketbook and I actually had some money in my pocketbook because we all use credit cards. So I put the groceries in the car and I returned to him I handed him a Gospel of John with a bill uh, inside that he could see, and I said a few words that only God, the Holy Spirit, gave me in the moment. And there you have it. The next time I went to Aldi's, there he was again. And I went into the store, and I just smiled, because, okay, God, you've done it again. You put him in front of me. What should I do? And so this time, though, his sign had added at the bottom, Pray for me. Hmm. So I put my groceries in the car after, took some money out of my wallet, and went back to the front of the store where he was standing and handed him the funds. And then I said to him, I see your sign. I want to pray with you right now. And I took his hands into mine. And I prayed. Um, and you know, it's... <laughs> I prayed a prayer that only God, the Holy Spirit, gave every single word. And when I was finished, I was amazed at what I said. But here's an amazing fact also. When I opened my eyes, a small crowd was surrounding me with money in their hand, and some had food in their hand for this man. It was amazing. Wow. On to page two, and it's shorter than page one. OK. I know I have four minutes. OK. That was chapter one and chapter two. This is chapter three. I decided when I got home to look in the veterans benefits online 
This man was a veteran. He had shared with me that he had a, um, he only went in the service because his parents wanted him to. It was a very poor uh, time that he had there and, uh, and many other details. God reminded me of the Sunday breakfast mission and so I got, a, and that was amazing because God reminded me and then I went to the mailbox and there was something from the Sunday Bee in the mailbox. And so I took the information and I put it in an envelope with enough money for him to get to Sunday Bee and said, okay, Lord. Um, and then I went to Aldi's every other day for two weeks and he wasn't there. But in God's timing, one time he was. And voila, I could give it to him and for whatever God would do. He said to me, I remember your face. And I was taken back because I thought to myself, oh, Father. And I said to the Lord, every time he remembers our encounter, will you help him to think of the Gospel of John that he has? Will he open it? And Holy Spirit, would you do the work that only you can do? Because salvation is his eternal work. And I know that others from the congregation, Lizeth for one, has seen him, met him, helped him a bit on his way. It's kind of cool. And Mark, if we can have that happy picture. Um, I saw something this week that was really great. And you can't read the words, they're too small, but you can see the picture. It says this, we cannot force someone to hear a message that, we are, that they are not ready to receive but we must never underestimate the power of planting a seed. And I have to say, it's humbling to be a seed planter 24-7, 365. To God be all the glory. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Nancy. Am I done now? Yeah. <laughs> No, you're not finished, but. <laughs> Heaven's hope is to inspire us. What we have is not only God's created favored beings, but then as sons and daughters of privilege to, to move out because we're secure in his love. So as the gospel grows in us and faith and love and hope, the gospel spreads. That's, that's God's picture. As we, are, as we grow, as the gospel matures in Christ's people, it spreads into the world because we're living, we're serving, we're loving one another just as Christ has done. Look at Epiphras. Verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, I, like to, I can say that both ways. Did you notice that? Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we have not, from the, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What an example Epaphras is. 
He's a fellow servant. He's a faithful ministry. If you flip over a page or two in your Bible, in chapter 4, verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. Prayerful, hard work. Whoever we are, no matter your personality type, no matter your talents, no matter your spiritual gifts, with faith in Christ and by his gracious appointment and his plan for your life, you are going to bear fruit as the gospel grows in you. Who am I in Christ? You're like every other Bible hero, if I can use that term, who's ever lived, who's flawed, and who's being transformed into godliness by the goodness and grace and mercy of his God, her God. God is working, and he's asking us to join in that work. It's God's working in us as he's planned, a people set apart. For it is by grace that you've been saved by faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So that you can do the works that he's planned for you, gifted you for. You know, frontline places, I have it so easy compared to so many of you. Your front lines are hard because the spirit of humanity is fighting against the spirit of God. And we all face that in our neighborhoods, wherever we work, wherever we live. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other and you're experiencing that. So dependence on God is vital. The disciples came to Jesus when he was praying one morning. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. What should we pray for for one another? Well, we have some clues in Colossians, verse 9 and 10. I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding. Wisdom means you know what God's will is and then you know how to apply it in your life at that moment. Like it's connecting with you. Because God's helping you. The Spirit of God's at work because you're listening. Lord, teach us to pray. Knowledge leading to wisdom and understanding so that I walk in a way that's worthy, so I speak in a way that honors Christ, so I live in ways that are different than what I used to be when I'm gathered here and when we're scattered out there. And thankfulness, it's mentioned so many times in, the pr in prayer because the attitude of thankfulness is fertilizer that empowers and grows the gospel in my life. We took your prayer uh, cards. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, one of these green sheets are in your bulletin. It's a, it's a worksheet. It's just to help you try to think through where your frontline places are. If you didn't have a chance to do that last week, I invite you to do it now. Where are your your key front lines and then 
You can fill out a prayer card there at the pew, and if someone, if you need one, signal to the person at the end of the pew to pass you one. You can put a prayer request, your, your top one or two front lines that you would like someone to pray for. Uh, and, and you can bring it up and, and hang it up when we, in a few moments. So our front lines, and there's a slide that I'd like to show that uh, Teresa put together. Just It's a pie chart. <laughs> so most of our front lines are in Pennsylvania. That shouldn't surprise us, okay? The, the yellow's other, okay? So 96.8 of us find front lines in Pennsylvania. 3.8, whatever it is, are other places. The two, the gray and the bluish gray, the largest is Havertown. That's our key front line. So God has us. A lot of our front lines are right around this building. What, is the, what does that say to us? Where, God, where our front lines are and where God would have us be and to pray for one another to have impact in Havertown. The gray area is Philadelphia. So a lot of you have front lines in Philadelphia, and then I'm not going to go into it all, but man, you can't read it. Springfield, Middletown, Haverford, Narberth, Radnor, Drexel Hill, and I can't read way over there. Maybe I can read over on this side. All these other towns, Ardmore, Bryn Mawr, Spring City, Lansdowne, Wynwood, Chester, Collegeville, Upper Darby, Chads Ford, Newtown Square, Ballack Hinwood. That's where our front lines are. We just wanted you to get a picture to show that even though we're here on Sunday mornings, we're not just in one place. We are all over Delaware County. And we can begin to pray for one another. So that's what we're going to do now. Worship team, if you would if you'd come forward now.